before we get right back into the action, thank you for tuning in to another charismatic episode. And if you're also interested in sending in voice messages or donating, you can also do that as well. I would love to use the proceeds to go to a local food bank or a warmer house. And, um, you know, I can take up to, you know, $10,000, you know, I'm not going to complain, but yeah, thank you for tuning into another episode. Let me know your thoughts and opinions, what I can improve or something that you enjoy. And let's get right back to the action. Shall we? Welcome to the most overrated, underappreciated, most viewed, unreviewed podcast of all time. Welcome to the Prince of Fresh Air. This is your host, the most charismatic man in entertainment. And we are back. Me and my man, Dimitri. How you doing, man? What up, man? So this is going to be a nice, uh, uh, different topic. This one is going to be on the heels of Deontay Wilder uh, versus Tyson Fury three, plus a bunch of other USC pay per views that I've been watching. So this, I wanted to have an honest conversation about this aspect because when we think about combat sports, we think about the flashy knockouts, we think about the the highlight reels, but we also forget about the the health aspect of it, the death aspect of it where a lot of fighters are losing their life uh due to you know trying to put on a show for the fans so before i get into all of that i do want to start off with bare knuckle boxing um for people who don't know bare knuckle boxing is essentially boxing just bare knuckle so essentially you wrap your hand a little bit with tape and you just punch people with your bare hands um what do you think about that uh type of sport because a lot of people don't like it some people think it's brutal do you think uh, it's a very brutal sport? Um, I don't really see the point of it because I'm a big boxing fan and um, the amount of money that most boxers make wearing gloves, you know, so I had, and, and mind you, even with fully padded gloves, you already can sustain a lot of damage or die in the ring. Needless to say about, you know, bare knuckle brawling. I mean, people don't even like that's like that's like street fighting, to be honest with you. I just, you know, I don't really see the point in it. Yeah, I, I first I don't even watch it. I only knew about bare knuckle boxing because a lot of UFC uh, veterans, when they can't sign a contract anywhere else doing MMA, they go to bare knuckle boxing. Um, and uh, it's a brutal sport. I mean, you've never I've seen people get their nose broken and just in, from a punch, it's just brutal, it's barbaric. And I understand why some people might like it, but the whole thing in, in itself is just, unless you are a celebrity athlete already, the money just isn't there. So I don't understand why people do it, but hey, it's combat. So combat, uh, it goes for everything. One of the most recent things that came up, um, this was after the pay-per-view that... Um, Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega just did with the UFC. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya has been uh, jumping on Dana White, uh, who's the president of the UFC, about this. And this has been a growing topic for uh, for many years now. Fighter pay. Um, a lot of people criticize the UFC and many other combat organizations from the lack of pay. Even in boxing, too, uh, it goes without saying. Uh, a lot of people feel like fighters aren't getting paid what they should be, you know, considering what they have to go through fighting camps, uh, making weight, you know, dehydrating their body, uh, health insurance and all that stuff. Uh, they feel like a lot of fighters aren't getting paid. You know, when you look at compared to the NBA or the M MLB, where they get, you know, maybe 30 to 50 percent of the profit, you know, fighters are 
especially in the UFC, only get less than 20% of the net profit. Um, do you think fighter pay is a big issue nowadays? Depends on um, that fighter's team. I think in boxing, it's it's subjective. You know what I'm saying? Because you might have somebody who has good management, a good promoter, and then you have somebody who's got you know a shitty promoter and shitty management. So as far as boxing is concerned, I think that really boils down to the backing and the people who you know the team behind the fighter, the UFC and the NBA and sports that operate under a singular organization or umbrella, they can't complain because that's what you sign up for. Um, a lot of those things are predetermined for the most part. I mean, in the NBA, you know, they have a players association. So, um, you know, they uh, kind of get to negotiate, but I think in, in UFC, they don't negotiate. I think really, you know, they get a fixed rate, they get $40,000. And then like a $5,000 bonus, you know, for whatever knockout or having fight of the night or something like that, you know, whereas boxers, they get to negotiate their pay. And it really has more so to do with what that fighter is actually worth versus like, oh, this is just, you know, the fee that we're paying you for the ring. So I don't think it's that much of an issue, in my opinion, because it's really on the person. It really, it really comes down to, you know, the athlete, you know, more so than anything. Uh, I, I agree with that. And I'll break it down. One of the biggest things, I'll break down the UFC con uh, uh, contracts because they do make uh, the entry-level contracts known. Um, and a lot of times when you look up the pay-per-views, you can see uh, it doesn't include the the full purse, but it includes uh, the guaranteed what UFC will pay. So your win, uh, your win bonus and everything. Um, first thing, when it comes to fighters, I think the thing about fighter pay and Dana White was talking about this, which is why he was uh, criticizing Oscar De La Hoya, is it's not about um, a fair wage. I mean, of course it is, but it's more so what do you bring to the table, right? Because when you look at, you know, the Conor McGregor's, the Canelo's, the, um, the Tyson Fury's, Deontay Wilder's, and everybody who's a big-name star, they're able to demand such a large amount of money because they bring eyeballs. They understand showmanship. To understand the entertainment aspect of it and a lot of fighters and i've seen this when my owners every every time i see press conferences and and tours that they do for fights they don't promote themselves they don't promote themselves they come up you know if uh, a media person asks you a question you know ask some charisma ask some personality you know get people to watch the, the pay-per-view if all you do is say you know uh training camp went well and i'm just looking forward to saturday night Nobody is not going to make anybody want to tune into your fight, right? And I think a lot of fighters forget about the entertainment. They get the they they get the show part, right? You know, they show up, make weight, you know, get the fight done. You know, sometimes it's very entertaining. Sometimes this is, you know, it is what it is. But a lot of fighters forget about the showmanship. So if you want Conor McGregor money, you have to be like Conor McGregor and bring people to watch. And then I will, uh, on a, another note, I will... Uh, agree that UFC, at least the entry levels, if I'm not mistaken, if you're a new UFC fighter, unless you're coming in like Ronda Rousey with a big name and celebrity status, your breakdown is uh, you win ten, you get $10,000 and then you get $10,000 if you win. So uh, you only get the extra $10,000 if you win. So essentially, if me and you fighting, right, and we're new UFC fighters, 
if you lose, you only get $10,000, whereas I get $20,000. And yeah, you do get win bonuses. It's uh, usually around 50K. Sometimes they'll bump it up to 75K, um, which is cool. But for a lot of fighters starting out, and even as they climb up the ranks, it takes a long time for them to get that, that kind of money. And it's hard to get eyeballs when, you know, all, all you do is the, the early prelims when nobody's watching, right? But I think it's a, it's a mix of both. You have to have people behind you who know your worth, but you also got to know you have to bring something to the table. You can't just show up, you know, knock somebody out and expect to get, you know, $5 million like Connor will be in the main event. You have to put in the time and the effort, invest in the uh, personality. You know, Chael Sonnen always said um, at his peak, uh, UFC fighter, if you don't know who he is, um, he used to get a lot of main event fights. He was usually the top paid no matter what spot he was on the card. And he, a lot of times he was a 50-50 fighter. And they all, people hated him. They was like, why is he getting paid more than me? And I'm winning left to right. It's because he knew how to control the crowd. He knew how to get people invested in the pay-per-views. He was the he was the pay-per-view draw up until Connie McGregor came. Uh Ronda Rousey came, excuse me. And you know, then they kind of blew, you know, those records out the water. But that's because he understood I have to get people's attention, no matter if it's good or bad. I have to get people to watch these fights. And a lot of fighters forget that part. Do you agree with me or do you think that that's a, a little um off off of course i think that if, if i mean particularly with ufc fighters if they don't like their pay pick a better sport or pick another profession um that's part and parcel with working under a singular organization you there's not a lot to negotiate when you sign to the ufc you have certain contracts and certain things that you agree to so if they're complaining about the way that things are Pick a better, <laughs> pick a better sport, pick a better profession, and then you know go from there. I agree, I agree, and that's what um, a lot of people say. If you don't like to pay, leave. It's not the end of the world. You got Bellator, you got other promotions. You see a lot of UFC fighters going over to boxing. You know, boxing is where the money is too. But I will also say too, one of the biggest problems with boxing, and this is this is your part of this conversation, and I noticed this too. It's like. You have the two main event people, and then everybody else is just irrelevant. I, I don't think they get anywhere. Um, I was looking at the um, uh, Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley fight. I was looking at the the purse breakdown, excluding sponsors and whatever. The highest purse outside of them two was about $50,000. Um, considering how much live gate they made how much money they made from that pay-per-view tyron willie and jake paul made almost 60 to 70 percent of the money just because of them two and a lot of boxers unless uh, i think that's a lot of the issue with people have a boxing is that unless you're the main event nobody cares they're not paying you you know and you're not going to get a fair share of the cut do, do you think that just simply leaving from an organization to another is a solution or do you think that people have to like I, like i said they have to realize it's show business it's entertainment they have to get the entertainment part of it too or do you think it's a mix of both you have to earn your rank i mean michael jordan didn't come into the nba the highest earning 
you know, player of all time shit. Even in his peak, he wasn't the highest paid player in the league. So if a lot of shit that crosses these athletes' mind is money, then they need to question whether, like, why they're fucking doing the shit or not. Because, I mean, obviously, yeah, you know, money is a part of it, you know what I'm saying? But if that's all that you fucking think about, then that's a different fucking story. Because at the end of the day, you get paid for what you are worth in boxing. Boxers get paid more than UFC fighters, but then, you know, let's be honest, not all boxers are making, you know, saying six figures. These fighters that were on the undercard of Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, I bet you a lot of them didn't make more than a quarter, a quarter, you know, saying million dollars. I'd be surprised if they made more than a hundred thousand because nobody knows these guys. Right. That whole, that whole fight, the, the fight, the people who made money in that fight was Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Everybody came to see them. Nobody came to see anybody else on that fight card except for those two. This is why they got paid, if I'm not mistaken, you know, like a $20 million, you know, purse because shit, everybody came to fucking see that fight. So you get paid for what you're worth. That's why I feel like it's not really worth, you know, saying the debate, even in the NBA, it's like, yeah, the, the, the better players are the one, the ones with higher stock are the ones that are on the higher end of, you know, the pay. You know what I'm saying? If you're a rookie in the league, you can't think to, that, that you're going to get, you know, Russell Westbrook money, Kyrie Irving money. They get money because they put asses in the seats. Exactly. Because they know people come to see them. These guys, they sell merch. They, they, they bring people to the, to the, to the, um, to the stadiums and shit like that. Like people talk about them. They, they're the ones who make the league popping. If you're not an athlete that makes your, your, your sport popping, shut up. I agree. And, and, build, and build your name up. Stay undefeated. You know, saying have some sort of, you know, name going for yourself outside the ring. Have some, you know, saying some cachet, some antics. And you might not even have to have the most antics because Errol Spence is one of the most popular boxers. You know, saying right now he might not be a household name, but he's he's on the, you know, upper tier in the sport. And mind you, he's not even the bad boy, so to speak. He's just he shows up and he wins. You continue winning, you will get your shot. And once you get your shot, you'll get that pay. And you won't get it until then. So that's why I feel like if people are really out here talking about, you know, fighter pay, you know, every day think it's unfair, all this other types of stuff, and nobody knows who you are, shut up. <laughs> that that's a that's a good point. I, I can't even disagree with that. I think uh at the end for me is more so people get the sport right, but they get the entertainment wrong. And I think that's where a lot of the issues come from is that, you know, people, I understand when you in a sport, like, you know, combat, you know, NBA and stuff is a little different, but when you in combat, yes, you have to win, but winning is not enough. If you want that, that top money. So fight to pay is really up to what you want. Do you just want to fight and, you know, just make, you know, comfortable money or do you want to be a superstar? So it really just depends on what avenue you want to go to. So if you want to be a superstar, you better start putting butts in seats or you ain't going to get that that check that you want. Um, but enough of this uh, one. This one, um, this topic um, has been something that's been happening because in the last few years, this has been happening quite a lot, um, a lot of instances. But recently, uh, Dana White's uh, Contender Series, which is a, um indie promotion that they run in the UFC, um, this became a, a big thing, fighter safety. And what I mean fighter safety is that uh, one of the fights last week, uh, Herb Dean, everybody knows Herb Dean, one of the most popular 
uh, UFC uh, refs out there. Um, he told Dana about a, one of the fighters, got his teeth busted open, knocked into his gums, and he was just unprepared. He didn't have uh, a proper uh, mouth guard. It was like a dollar piece store that wasn't fitted to his mouth. Uh, his cup size was too big. Didn't work. Um, a lot of fighters aren't coming in with proper um, training materials or fight gear. Um, and that's been a big thing because we're seeing a lot more injuries now. We're seeing a lot more uh, fighters coming into the octagon or in the ring, and they're not prepared. They don't have the proper equipment. And unless you're fighting for a premier uh, organization, you're not going to get that equipment. So fighter safety, do you think um, that's a thing we don't talk about is the little things that we don't see off camera, uh, camera the, the, the unfitted mouth guard? the lack of preparedness do you think that's a big issue in combat it's not an issue in boxing for i've never you know i've never really heard things like that occurring in boxing as far as i'm concerned because that has to do with um the state athletic commission they're the ones who handle that they're the ones who do you know the medical checks before that you know saying before during and after so that really boils down to who whomever is in charge of the you know athletic commission um in terms of combat sports i mean i don't know how it is in ufc but in boxing that's how it is so if you fight in new york you got the new york state athletic commission you fight in in you know nevada you got the nevada state athletic commission and you know so on and so forth so you know ufc if people are showing up with dollar store mouth guards <laughs> And all of that, they need to get it together because I ain't never heard that. I, I I don't know why anybody would want to be a UFC fighter in this day and age, bro, because they got a lot of shit going on, man, that really shouldn't be happening. To be honest with you, you got guys' teeth getting punched into their gums and all those other types of stuff. Man, come to be, become a boxer, yo. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a lot more lucrative, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there are rare occurrences of fi fighters dying in the ring, but that's very few and far between. Oh, most so, definitely. I'm going to be, if I'm going to be a professional athlete, a combat athlete, I'm going to be a boxer. I don't want to be a UFC fighter because you take more damage. People's ears look disgusting. They got like mad scar tissue all over their face. You don't see boxers walking around like that. Nope. That's true. Cauliflower. Yeah. And, and that's you like, know. that's like dead ass. That's like fucking, it's like boxers is fucking uh, the crusty crab. <laughs> and. <laughs> 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 oh shit! Fucking... Yo, you <laughs> the crusty crab. <laughs> he said it, not me. I'm innocent. <laughs> I can't even say what I meant to fuck. I can't even say the joke because that's just too funny. Nah, nah, nah UFC. <laughs> Yo, this guy. Oh my! Why? Why are you disrespecting oh, UFC man. like that, man? Come on, niggas, man! Y'all niggas is dead ass. The the chum bucket. Y'all <laughs> 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 niggas is the chum bucket of combat sports. Dead ass, yo. Y'all niggas is dead ass. The chum bucket, yo. Y'all make the UFC makes boxing look like the shell shack, and y'all niggas is the fucking chum bucket, yo. Like nobody go there. And, and mind you, don't get me wrong. Like you guys have some of those, some of those fighters that like everybody like that I've heard of. I've never seen this man fight, but I see 
Francis Ngannou is like, you know, the Conor McGregor right now. Like where everybody talks about Conor McGregor and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Fucking that was Israel Adesanya before um, he lost and shit like that. So you guys might have some of those people that might transcend, you know, saying the sport. But other than that, like the UFC doesn't really have anything going for itself other than like those top tier fighters. And then, like you said, or like I said, there's always that one guy in UFC at a time. So you had Conor McGregor, you had Ronda Rousey, you had Israel Adesanya, you had, um, uh, what was his name? The, the motherfucker that beat uh, Conor McGregor. What was his uh, name? Dustin Poirier? No. Uh, damn, the, the fucking, he's from another country, shit. Uh, oh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Exactly, you had him. Now you got Francis Ngannou. Like you, they only have like one person at a time that's like, you know, the household name of the UFC. Boxing, you got multiple people that can that can prosper. And then even the people that aren't like, you know, a household name, they're still prospering financially. So it's like, that's why, you know, UFC the chum bucket because these fighters like, yo, like honestly, if, if these motherfuckers could be top tier boxers, they would in a heartbeat. I'm pretty sure they would if they could. Yeah, that's true. I mean, to be honest though, I think UFC have more, well-known names than boxing like boxing unless you're uh, like i know i I will agree i the only reason why i'll agree with you is because the majority of ufc fights are not even pay-per-view that's true ufc fights are mad accessible you know what i'm saying versus let's say you know a lot a lot of you know the top tier um boxing matches those just are not those just are not accessible like canelo kayla plant is gonna be pay-per-view Sean Porter, Terrence Crawford is pay-per-view. So they cater a lot of these fights to real boxing fans. UFC is casual friendly. If I wanted to get into the UFC tomorrow, I can get into the UFC very easily. Why? Because it's casual friendly. It's easy for somebody who doesn't know shit about the UFC to get into the UFC. Boxing, if you don't know shit about boxing, yeah, you might go watch a fight, but you don't know shit. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So that's why... You know, people might know a couple of the, you know, saying like the the Israel Adesanya's of the world and, and the Francis Ngannou and shit like that, because, you know, it's casual friendly. You could you could look these niggas up. You can find all their shit. And they and mind you, UFC is under one umbrella. You see what I'm saying? UFC is the is, is like the NBA. You see what I'm saying? It's one right. organization. Boxing doesn't have an organization. So it's really apples and oranges. But at the same time, there's not one UFC fighter right now that's bigger than Floyd Mayweather. There's not one UFC fighter that's bigger than Canelo. Facts. And then a lot of times, these guys in the UFC, no one in the UFC stays undefeated for that long. And you know what I'm saying? And then their cachet and how popular they are, that shit is, like, very limited. Because if I were to walk down the street right now and ask the average person, if I were to go to the grocery store right now and say, oh, have you ever heard of Francis Ngannou before? Niggas are going to tell me no. The average American does not know who a lot of these UFC fighters are. I bet you they know who Canelo Alvarez, though. I bet you they know um, Floyd Mayweather. And Canelo Alvarez right now is, you know, pound for pound number one. I bet you people know who, no, nah, I don't want to say Deontay Wilder, but I'm pretty sure they've kind of heard around the way who Tyson Fury is and who Deontay Wilder is. Yeah. Facts. Facts. These UFC fighters, anyway, they don't even have a personality. That was, that's the reason why Conor McGregor was so big, because he was the one fighter that transcended the UFC because he had a personality. A lot of these guys, they don't have a personality. Israel right. Adesanya, he seems like a likable guy, oh, because he, you know, he like, you know, saying anime and shit like that. 
But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. come on now. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's there's no comparison in terms of, like, the UFC and boxing. And, and that's why I was saying earlier, the, when it comes to fighter pay and stuff, all of this stuff, when you talk about Canelo, Deontay Wilder, you know, uh, Francis Ngannou, the difference is um, drawn seats. You got to put asses in seats. And a lot, like you said, a lot of fighters don't have personalities. It goes back to what I was saying. You know, if you're a main event, I and I have to say this because this annoys me. I watch, you know, these press conferences, right? And the people in the main event get all the attention. I understand it's part of, you know, that you want people to come watch the pay-per-view or whatever, the fight night. And if you ask somebody, hey, man, you know, what tools or what do you see in somebody's game that uh, in your opponent's game that you think you can uh, be able to uh, compete with on Saturday night? You know, they go on, they they answer the question like, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I studied the foot. Yeah, I, I studied the footage and, you know, me and my coaches, well, we did a good job. They can't, because they can't exactly. So essentially they can't sell the fight. You see exactly like the reason why Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder was so Wilder three was so big was because they sold the fight for a year and a half. They sold that fight. Like, while they were selling the first fight, they were selling the second fight. While they were selling the second fight, they were selling the third fight. So they're already like, yo, we're going we're gonna to be fighting again. We're going to fight again. Obviously, this, that was the last fight, but they're going to be fighting again. So, yeah, yeah no, it's a fact. You know, and, uh, you know, another side, too. And let, let me clarify, too. You know, when I talk about combat, I'm not just referring to, you know, the big, you know, UFC and uh, Showtime, you know, this Bellator, you have PFL, uh, you have Bare Knuckle, this. yeah. But you know, there's other organizations. And when I was talking about fighter, um, fighter safety, um, one of the things too that's been happening, especially in the UFC, it doesn't happen often in boxing, is the referees are terrible. You know, fighters are getting knocked out unconscious, and the fight uh, referees aren't stopping the fights on time. You know, if you get knocked out, your eye, you know, you slump to the canvas. There's no reason why you should let another man hit him 10 more times while he's laying on the floor. You know, there's no reason why I do this tapping out and the referee is giving him a chance to move. If he's tapping out, step in. And this has been happening for the last two years. This has been a big thing with the referees. Some, you know, Herb Dean and them, you know, of, of course, you know, sometimes you'll have a, a slip up. It happens. But a lot of these fighters and uh, fighters, a lot of these uh, refs, um, Mazagati being one of the premier ones, um, they don't seem to have a grasp of fighter safety. You know, it's all about, oh, let's get the fans what they want. They may not say that, but when you let a fighter get knocked out, submitted, and you don't stop the fight and you let them continue fighting, I think that's a big issue. And it doesn't seem to be any... Uh, repercussions for it, you know. Uh, one instance, let me let me bring this up. One instance, this happened uh, like two months ago. This was at uh, um, this was at a fight night, uh, I think it was a pay per view. Um, and uh, I think it was uh, Arizona. Now, there's a local referee that you know he was asked to uh, ref one of the prelims of the pay per view. I forgot which one it was, I think it was UFC 264 or something. And the fighter had his leg broken. Uh, no, it wasn't his leg. It was his arm. I forgot the dude's name, but he had his arm broken while he was in a submission. 
arm dangling. I, I kid you not. You can look this up. It, it just happened. His arm was dangling to the point where he couldn't tap. I mean, his arm was broken. And the referee seen his arm flopping on the canvas. And he was standing there like, you know, continue the action. While the dude's arm is snapped in half, you could see the bone protruding out of his skin. And he didn't get sanctioned. He didn't get fined. He didn't get kicked out. Apparently, he has a, a, a um, he's famous around Arizona for doing this to other fighters on the indie scene where, you know, fighters are getting injured. He doesn't stop the fight. Do you think that there needs to be some type of, you know, fines, penalties, you know, uh, something, sanctions in for UFC? referees? Yeah, just in general, for all combat sports, you know, refs going rogue and not. Like I said, I don't like generally if things like that happen in boxing, like, you know, I hear about it. Um, And from the conviction in your voice, this seems like some shit that happens all the time in the UFC. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing is for UFC to not. I, you know, uh, the the term underpay is relative, but I'll say for the UFC to underpay its fighters the way that it does, and then not even invest in some sort of um, invest in better referees. I, I, I mean, it's well, a let me, bucket, man. Well, let me let me clarify. The referees aren't necessarily tied to the UFC. Like you'll see Herb Dean and a lot of them, they're not exclusive to UFC. They may. Uh, ref more in UFC, but a lot of these refs are, you know, they ref for other promotions. Some of them ref for boxing too, and that's what I mean. That's what I just meant in well, general. That's what I said there's no, there's no, there's no athletic commission clearly that that the UFC has to answer to. You know what I'm saying? Because if that's if if that's the case, and then they really had to because all right, if somebody dies in the ring, it's not that like the athletic commission kind of catches heat for it. But at least it's like if it, if it does, they're going to look into the fact that, OK, you know, did we do everything we could have done to prevent that? Or did that fighter have everything that, you know, he or, you know, he or she needed? You know what I'm saying? And, you know, for UFC to not do that, I mean, you have to hold the organization accountable because and the UFC is not going to find themselves. You know what I'm saying? They're going to they're they're. It's their fault. So it, it, it's not even really the referee because the referee should know. The referee gets like its criteria, you know, saying through which it, it, you know, he operates himself inside the ring from the organization. So the organization is like, yo, like, you know, don't break it up. You know, saying because like it's no secret that in the championship bouts, the referee is going to give an extra half second, you know, to try to keep the fight going because the longer the fight goes, the more money that they make, obviously, for viewers and all other types of shit. So it's really the UFC fault. So if those sorts of things happen, you got to look at, you know, Dana White or whomever really runs this shit to crack down on those sorts of things. Oh, I, I definitely agree. And it's definitely a big problem. And a lot of the, the problem in the UFC is that you you're not allowed to argue, criticize with the referee, especially when you talk about Nevada Athletic State Commission and other commissions. When you argue with referees in their jurisdiction, that becomes a bigger issue in itself. You have to address the committee. You have to do all of these other things with the committee to address the problem. And a lot of times as the fighter, you get in trouble because your job, you're not allowed to approach referees. And we've I've seen fighters approach referees in the middle of a fight like, yo, uh, this fight is over. Clearly, like, why are you still making me punch this dude? 
And um, I think that's the problem. There's been a lack of accountability for these refs. You know, like I said, Mazagati was a premier one, especially around the 2004 to 2012 era. This man was a referee for damn near seven, eight years. Uh, Never. Yeah. um, Official for seven, eight years in the UFC. And he was constantly always the guy who would never stop a fight when it needed to. He will always let it drag on. The, the fight is clearly out and down and he will still let them get pummeled. You know, Oh, I didn't see the, I didn't see him tap. Oh, I thought I saw his eye move. Oh, I thought I saw his finger twitch and that like, there's no accountability. And, and what frustrates me is, you know, I've always wanted to join the UFC. You know, that would be something if the opportunity arises, I might take it, you know, just to try it. But when you see fighters getting the arm, mangled up in a fight and the referee still letting you get punched to unconsciousness it's scary and i think um you know when i talk about fighter safety this is a big problem this is things like as fans and spectators do we appreciate the knockouts yes do we appreciate the flashy submissions yes but at what at what cost to the fighters though is the ref's job isn't to allow the fighters to continue entertaining the fans when they're injured, you know, these fighters have families, they got wives, they got kids, they got mothers and parents to worry that worry about them, they got to take care of and feed. You know, it's not right that these fighters are putting their safety and their body on the line to have a referee who's a competent stand there. It's like, oh no, keep swinging and banging. You know, we're trying to get these people they they tickets while your arm is you know dangling off the side of your body and you can't defend yourself properly. So I just have to mention that because that's something that a lot of people have been growing frustrated with and it, 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 it keeps happening and there's no consequences at all. You know, a fighter approaches the referee, he get fined $5,000. Referee doesn't stop the fight and he keeps doing this. No, n- nothing. He He's back in the main event two weeks. So um, I'm glad to see boxing, you know, um, you know, it seems like boxing does have a lot of things under control. But I also think it's also due to the fact that boxing has been, uh, especially when you talk about Showtime and all that, they've been around for so long that they you kind of expect them to have their stuff together. They have competent referees, even when people think that they should stop the fight sooner. <clears throat> uh, Tyson Fury, when he got knocked down twice, um, they still allowed them to have a chance. And that, that's cool. I understand when the fighter still has the opportunity. It's cool. But, you know, Tyson's Fury, you know, mouth is split open. His teeth is knocked out and his arm, his fists are broken. Don't send him back out there for five more rounds. I mean, it's pointless. But, you know, I digress. I digress. Um, I also, this is an interesting one. Interesting one. We was talking about exhibition. Uh, so Dana White, uh, a lot of these things I was coming over, I was watching the press conference because Dana White was uh, rebuttaling uh, Oscar De La Hoya. Exhibition matches, right? We see him uh, in boxing all the time. Um, so he was asked, you know, does he support ex- ex- uh, exhibition matches and what he thinks about them? And he said that he feels like it's just a, a, a loophole, a bullshit loophole in the system to allow fighters who shouldn't be fighting to fight. So essentially the... Evander Holyfields, the Mike Tysons, and everybody that comes out out of retirement 30 years, you know, that retired 30 years ago. Do you think boxing match, uh, exhibition matches, as much as we like them, 
and desire them, do you think that we should scrap them? Not really, not really in the hands of my opinion. Um, I don't watch them as much, but really the answer to that question is in the fact that people are watching them. Uh, the Nate Robinson versus, you know, Jake Paul. I mean, obviously, you know, from a, you know, combat perspective, that's a fight that probably shouldn't have taken place. But if we look at <clears throat> how much the fight actually sold, then that answers the question. So if let's say I were to go and Google Nate Robinson versus Jake Paul live gate or pay-per-view numbers, if that shit says it sold like, you know, 1 million pay-per-view buys, then that just goes to show there's a market for it. So as long as there's a market for, you know, um, exhibition matches, they're going to exist regardless of who likes them or not. You know what I'm saying? So if that's like somebody saying, you know, well, McDonald's is unhealthy. Yeah, but clearly people are going there and buying the food regardless. So as long as there's people willing to pay for it, it's going to exist and they're going to sell it. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, it, it's one of those things like it goes back to what I was saying about, you know, is it worth it when, when we talk about, you know, putting on a show for fans? Because is it cool? Don't get me wrong. You know, for us, you know, who didn't grow up with Mike Tyson, but hearing about how how uh, amazing of a fighter he was. Is it cool to see him fighting again? Yes. But I also have to think about it. Uh, like I said, we don't think about it outside of entertainment. It's a cool yes, but what about for his kids, his wife? You know, if he if he gets hit with a shot he can't recover from, and it takes him a longer, a much longer time. He's not twenty two no more. He's damn near close to sixty years old. He takes a shot that it takes him years to recover from. You know, is it worth it? You know, and I think I I don't think anybody has a uh, well at least me you like you said we don't have the opinion that should matter right but i think it's just more of a moral thing you know yes it's entertaining to see these ex exhibition matches but why is it worth evander holyfield fighting a much younger fighter after being retired for so many years just for the sake of a payday you know yeah it may it may be cool for us but what about the kids his kids his wife his parents his family you know when he's hurt, we're not taking care of him. His family is the one taking care of him, you know. So I think I think that's what it is. And then on top of that, too, the rules and you know, just seeing how it, it is kind of a loophole in a sense. It's essentially a boxing match without a lot of the restrictions. It's basically, uh, I want to say a street fight because still a boxing match, but it's essentially, you know. It's, mu it's much more relaxed. You get to do more that you want. It doesn't really affect your record that much, you know. But I also think, too, it comes to a point in time where when we talk about combat in general, UFC boxing, if you, if you don't have it, I think it's best for you to step aside. When you age out and you retire after five years, you don't need to be in the ring, uh, octagon or anything. I think it's best for you to live off, you know, go – and retire but having a lot of these old school veterans you know people who hasn't fought in 10 years or you know decades coming back for a glory match is it is it is it worth the fighter's safety 
you know, because that's essentially the topic. Is it worth it? Um, do you think, like, I know you said it, it's not really your opinion that matters, but if you think about it that way, do you think I'm on the right topic or do you just think that as long as people keep watching, it doesn't matter? As long as people keep watching it, it, it it'll be more, It like, let's say if the numbers were shaky and they were iffy and it was more experimental than, like, yeah, because I'll say, like, really, the start of that kind of came from Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor, because that was an exhibition match. Um, <clears throat> I think there might have been, you know, cross-sport, you know, matchups before, but I think that kind of brought it back. And then, you know, once that happened, they started to try it again with, you know, more popular, you know, athletes, you know, particularly, you know, the Paul brothers who, you know, are viral guys who put asses in the seats. And, you know, and they get people to pay for the pay-per-view. And as long as those things continue to make money, they're going to do that. Because these guys, like those two, they got deals with zone. you know what I'm saying? Which is, uh, you know, boxing, you know, or I would say like a sports, you know, platform. So they were given a platform to do those exhibition matches specifically. So as long as they make money, they will exist regardless of, you know, whomever, you know, thinks what about them. Yeah, that's true. I mean, hey, we we know what talks and what walks. Money talks all the time. And no matter what we think, no matter what we say, if people keep buying them, that ain't going to stop. And I, exactly. I wouldn't, I, hey, you know, this the, this the era of the money fight. There's no more the record of, you know, trying to be undefeated. It's all about the big money fights. You know, it's all about yeah. the big pay-per-view attractions. So, I can't complain about that. Before before I, I conclude this amazing discussion, as I would say, a lot of uh, fighters are talking about um, starting um, a union um, where they can uh, collectively come together, have people represent them, and you know represent them in in a way of financial gain and stuff like that. Uh, do boxing have a, a union? I'm not sure. They don't. They don't, they don't need it because. It would, it would just be the reason why they feel like they need a union is because they operate under, you know, a singular organization. So, you know, let's say you have a workers union with Target, like, you know what I'm saying? You get a job at Target, you, you, you have construction workers, you know, for a particular company. Um, they have workers unions that exist because to protect you from that, from being um, taken advantage of, or undervalued by said organization boxers they don't have that problem because the wbc the wba the ibf the wbo they don't really operate like that they don't they don't deal with like they're not involved with how much boxers get paid so this is why boxing is so you know lucrative because it's just they don't have to answer to they, they don't answer to anybody like the, the WBC. They just help fights get made. You know what I'm saying? Like they're like they're the ones who, you know, have the belts and then you just pay them, you know, sanctioning fees to keep the belts. But other than that, like, I, I don't think you would ever hear a boxer say, oh, it's the IBS fault that I don't get as much money as I should. That really boils down to the people that you work with. So let's say. You know, I won't need if I'm a boxer, I won't really need to be a part of a workers union because I have, you know, Al Heyman 
you know what I'm saying, um, speaking directly to Showtime and then these networks as far as like how much I want to get paid. So he can go to them and say, okay, Dimitri wants to get $2 million, you know saying, to fight this person on this particular date. They're the ones who work it out. And nine times out of 10, you know, it'll happen for me because I don't really have that many roadblocks. They don't want to pay me. I don't have to fight that. You know what right. I'm saying? But in the UFC's case, you don't get that. You, 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 they don't get that opportunity to negotiate. They just get paid. They, they just go, they just get told you get 50,000, $20,000 bonus. If you win, you know what I'm saying? And another 5,000 on top of that, if you get replay of the night or some shit like that, they don't even get chance to really, you know what I'm saying? Right. And then the only fighter who really got, got to that point was Conor McGregor. You know what I'm saying? Like he was the one that, that was really, you know, able to, you know, cross that line where he was like, yo, like, I'll never come back to the UFC if they don't pay me, you know, saying what I'm worth because he went and fought Floyd and made more money that night than he did his entire, you know, UFC career. That's true. You see, you see what I'm saying? And, and there, there's a, there's a, there's a reason for that. The same thing with the NBA, the NBA, they have the, uh, the they have the N, they have the NBPA, which is, which is the players organization um, or players association where they negotiate those sorts of things. So even like, let's say right now, the players that are part of that union, they're the ones who get to discuss with the NBA, you know, execs about whether or not to mandate vaccines. They, they get to have those conversations. These players have representation. We're both actors. That's the reason why you have, you know, SAG is because, you know what I'm saying? You're working for the production company. So SAG exists to make sure that you are, you know, properly valued as talent, as above the line talent by that organization and that nothing happens. So, yeah, you know, when you're a UFC fighter and you are, you know, a part of the chum bucket of, you know, saying combat sports, you're going to need, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, a union to try to look out. I mean, in theory, are they going to get one? Probably not. But let's say if they did, you're going to need a union. You're going to need somebody to try to look out for your best interest. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, UFC fighters, you know, they don't have that. Fortunately, NBA players do. And, you know, in boxing, if you if you have somebody like Al Heyman, you know, or I mean, I, I, I say him because he's the, you know, he's the force or he's like the shadowy figure behind a lot of my favorite fighters. And, you know, from the looks of them, like he's the one who talked to Errol Spence about, you know, he was like, all right, you know, your, your signing bonuses might not be as much as what top rank would pay you, but I'm going to be talking to you about retirement and certain things like that. So when you're not in the sport anymore, like you'll still be taken care of versus let's say, you know, top rank, which is a subsidiary of ESPN, you know, saying they were going to give him a lot more money, but then let's say, what are the drawbacks to what comes with that money? Right. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it, it's really all about, you know, um, the legroom that you have and what you're able to do and the people that are behind you. I, I agree with that. I think the union, I the, the problem with the union and the UFC, or I would say MMA in general, is that it's a very selfish sport in the sense that, Many fighters don't care about what you're getting paid. And I think that's if let's say me and you are finding the same card, I'm guaranteed a hundred thousand dollars and you're guaranteed twenty five thousand dollars. You may feel underpaid, undervalued, and you want to speak about it. But a hundred thousand dollars for me, I'm comfortable. I don't gotta worry about bills for the next year or two. You know, I'm chilling. So I don't really care that much about having a union when I'm getting paid 
more or or I'm getting paid more than or what I'm worth. So I think that's the problem with a union and that and and that aspect MMA because a lot of fighters are comfortable with what they make. They may not disclose it. Some are more open than others about what they make. But you right. think Conor McGregor cares about a union? You think Francis Agano, exactly, Max Holloway, and them? They don't right. care, right? It, and it, 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 I'll just say this real quick: it's gonna take those those top UFC fighters to speak out, and they're not gonna do that. You know, fortunately, the face of the NBPA in the NBA is LeBron James. You know, like he's the guy that does a lot of speaking for the players, like you just said. Conor McGregor not gonna come out and say shit. You know what right. I'm saying? So, right. right. He's getting, he's getting, he's comfortable. But I think one of the key points, and you were talking about Al Heyman, I think that right there is another issue too. A lot of fighters don't, I think a lot of the fighters forget that not the people in their corner is not always in it for the, their best interest. Nate Diaz was talking about this uh, up to his fight with Robbie Lola uh, a couple of weeks ago. But he was talking about how his first run in the company, the reason why he felt so sour and left at, well at, before he got banned uh, was because a lot of the people, his corner men, not his corner men, but his trainers, his managers were stealing money from him, essentially. They was taking more money than they was telling him. You know, when he get a sponsorship check, they keep it. They wouldn't give it to him. They take it for and themselves. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of there's a lot of scummy, you know, uh, uh, people, uh, gem owners, managers out in the business. I know Ali uh, Abdul, uh, Ali Abdul. Um, I can't, I can't say his last name, but he's one of the most prominent uh, managers in the UFC. He manages Francis, uh, Israel Adesanya, a bunch of the top names, and he's good because he knows exactly how to play the game. And a lot of fighters, I think sometimes they get comfortable. Yes, is it cool? You know, let's say you was my manager, right? We know each other for 10 years. You know, we good buddies, right? But when it's time for a, a contract negotiation, are you going to be the right person for the job? Probably not. Why? Because it's a friendship. It's not a business working relationship. It's more of a friendship than it is business. So, yeah, you may try to look out for me. But at the end of the day, you need somebody in your corner, a manager who's not a, a best friend that went to your, your wedding. You know, you need someone who's dedicated. Savvy. Yeah, you need somebody who knows money, who knows how to negotiate contracts because your coach isn't a, a contract negotiator. He's a guy that just knows, all right, you're going to train this today. You're going to train this later today. You go, all right, you're going to have to cut weight. You're going to start cutting weight next week or whatever. That's his job. He's not a money guy. And John Jones, he was talking about fighter pay for the longest in the last year or two. Um, but even him, he fired his whole management company and he hired one of the uh, a guy from boxing. I forgot what his name was, but he's a big prominent uh, um, manager over in boxing. And well, he's I wonder, a I wonder, I wonder who I wonder who whose manager is. Yeah, I'm not sure what his name is. Um, he yes, he is a white guy. I can't remember his name, but you know, it's, um, it, it, essentially it's one of those things where even him, like he's had the, the managers for, you know, since he joined the UFC, but he knew there was a ceiling. 
You know, there was only so much they can do for him. Oh, and Richard even, Schaefer. Okay. Oh, Richard Schaefer, yeah. Um, but even for him, you know, was it an uh, easy thing of breaking off a friendship and a business partner? No. But at the end of the day, if you want that big money, if you want the best contract, the best negotiation, you have to let go of the personal friendships and get somebody who's dedicated to getting you the best money possible. And a lot of fighters tend not to do that. You know, they rather stick with their buddies the 20 years that that helped them train when they were kids, opposed to finding someone who's all about the money and doing it for them. And I think that's why boxing gets it right it, for the most part, especially with the big stars, because they know, you know what? Yes, I have friends and, you know, I like working with them. But you know what? I need the best promoter possible. I need the best manager possible. I need the best team possible. That's why Floyd Money Mayweather, as much as he could be 60 years old, still demanding $10 million per fight. Why? Because he has a company, a team and a manager and, you know, people behind him who knows what he's worth who knows how to negotiate and he will always get what he wants because of that. So yeah. if people want that, that money, that bag, you better, you know, it's unfortunate. You got to cut your friends out and get somebody who's all about the business. Cause that's how money is made. So, yeah. um, you know, a a any final thoughts, man, any, um, anything else that you want to get off your chest box and versus UFC or whatever? Um, not necessarily. Nah, none, none that I could, none that I could think of right now, other than that, um, I would never want to be a UFC fighter. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't blame you. It, it is brutal. You know, it's it definitely, is. you know, at least you'll know that if you get hurt in the fight, the UFC will pay for the surgery. But other than that, you're on your own. You got to get your own health insurance and everything. Yeah, if so I, if I had any reservations about being a UFC fighter, they, they were multiplied by 10 right now yeah i will say though i i was saying i want to be a ufc fighter you know oh. just a side note but the only reason why i would do it is because i know i could reach conor mcgregor's level and relatively quick because i understand show business so i know maybe the first two three fights i'll get paid you know fairly you know low money but i can definitely work my way up in you know a year or two to get that top dollar that I want. So that's the that's the only reason why I would do it aside from the competition. But other than that, yeah, pick your poison, you know, knuckle up and, you know, let's get to work. So, uh, you know, thank you, Dimitri. This is a good episode. Um, we got another one coming up. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and it's always a pleasure, man. It's always a pleasure having you on here. And yep. like I said, you know, one, two, three, down for the count. Thank you, Dimitri.